It's been a week, and Jesus is alive. He wants to give us some strength and some empowerment today, awakening some things within us. I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, I was praying about today, that we were going to go real deep, real fast. So are you ready for that? I believe God really does want to take us deeper. Uh, some amazing things have been going on in the context of our church family. And I, I know the enemy's not happy when we start taking ground. But I just want us to take a moment and let's celebrate from the heart what God is doing, what He's giving us and trusting to our care. If you weren't able to make it last week, uh, Sunday night, Tracy and I talked about it on Monday. We felt like it was one of the highlight moments of our ministry lives. Uh, with what happened, we had so many people being baptized, and then after that, several, I think five people made decisions for Christ, and then people just started streaming up being baptized on the spot who didn't come prepared. It was just such a great outpouring. We've got a few pictures of this. It was just amazing, and um, popping those up. That was Tim coming up out of the water, ready to rock for Jesus. It was really great. Beautiful picture. So many people, so full of passion. And then I just love this. I want to just pause on this for a moment. I want you to look at the expression on those kids' faces. That's the true release of something deep in their heart. And Father, we pray that you would help us to understand that you have called us this year to flourish. You've called us to a greater understanding that we are created to flourish. So, Lord, help us to understand that that's not just about our own personal lives, but that's about the people around us. And we pray for the next generation, Lord, awaken our sons and daughters. May we all be more aware of the promptings of the Spirit and the presence of God so that conversations become confirmations that you're having this amazing conversation with all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord just for His goodness, His faithfulness of what He's doing. So from the bottom of our hearts, let's give thanks to God with expectation of more of what God has in store. And with that, I just want to say we really are, uh, it's important that we remind ourselves and rehearse this, but we are all in for the next gen. And we've had electricians out working this past week and the space behind the coffee shop I just want to, we'll, we'll give a financial update on that perhaps next Sunday with the charts of what all's to come, but we're getting very close to having the electricity completely funded, and then we start in on uh, some things that will be a lot more visual, uh, that we'll be able to show you more videos, but we're making great progress, so I just appreciate so much your faithfulness in your tithes, your offerings, find those giving stations, give online, and uh, last week I had some people asking how to help. In, uh, I mentioned Nick Stroud, who's uh, making great strides, and I mentioned Josh Sharp. Both of those guys in our church broke legs pretty severely. Um, and then yesterday, uh, and Josh, who's married to Andrea with four children, runs his business, um, Andrea with their oldest, Daxton, were in a head-on collision uh, in the midst of everything else going. So it's just been quite a, uh, you know, the enemy is, is going to work overtime to try and hold us down, keep us back. But how many know Jesus is alive, even in those difficult situations? There's something in us that begins to be awakened. Uh, Josh actually gave me a call immediately after that. Everybody's fine, praise God, they're all uh, good. And uh, basically, God takes those situations and gives a car upgrade. You know, that's just the way the Lord does it, right? So we're believing for that. I did have people asking, you know, how can we help? 
uh, last week. And so just mark that benevolence and let's come together and, and really help those that are walking through such difficult times uh, as we just walk all this out together as a family. Pass your books down if you've not already and take out your note cards. We want to explore this revelation that God has given us as a church family for 2018. We are created by God to flourish. Do you understand you are created to flourish? Do you recognize you are created to flourish? See, God's desire is for you to flourish. In our nine o'clock time when we came in here to pray, all of our, uh, those volunteering and serving, uh, we meet at nine to, to pray. And I just, as we were praying, I just began to speak of God's desire to bless us. Let me ask you this question. How many of you believe God wants with great desire to invade your life and transform everything about who you are? Just raise your hand if you believe that. By a show of hands, we declare, Lord, we know that's your desire. But how many of you know just because God desires it doesn't mean it happens. Your desire is a really important part of seeing the kingdom of God expand in your life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. So my question is, what's your desire? My question is, where's your prayer life? Just because God wants it to happen doesn't mean it will, and you need to understand that. It is not God's will that any should perish, but many do. God doesn't get his way most of the time in the world that you and I live in because of the decision made by fallen humanity when Adam and Eve made the decision to sin. So you and I have to step into this mix and begin to understand what God wants to reveal. And the, the Lord just began to speak to me as I was praying early this morning and just seeking God, and, and I'm, I'm learning some new rhythms of prayer, greater effectiveness. I, I want you to know I've been here for a while, and uh, I'm not new at this, but, you know, I, I recognize I, I've got a, a, a good stretch ahead of me of ministry. But I'm, I'm, I'm sensing this so much. Tracy and I both are sensing this. We are just now starting to come into a greater understanding of the expression of the gifts that God has given us. And I am expecting that we are all about to move into an accelerated place of advancement and maturity with that which God has entrusted to our care. Come on, this is the season of the church stepping into a place of great flourishing. So I want to challenge you to believe for that. I want to challenge you to expect that. I want to challenge you to desire that, to cultivate that, to cooperate with that. No one comes to the Father except Jesus draw them. And when you begin to sense He's drawing, cooperate with that so that you can go more readily and accelerate into more of what God desires. It's not like you're just, you know, trying to decide do you like God or not. This is about God drawing us at strategic times and specific seasons, and we need to learn to cooperate with those times and those seasons so that we walk this out more readily. This is one of those wonderful seasons where God begins to cause our lives to flourish. So I hope that you have uh, cultivated first, the first assignment we had as we started walking in this season and, and revelation of greater and deeper, more meaningful prayer lives. I hope that you have cultivated worship music in your home. Uh, I've just been more intentional about it. We've done it, but I'm more intentional. I'm taking responsibility for the spiritual atmosphere of my home, and when I wake up, the first thing I'm doing is I'm turning on worship music because it's not just affecting the physical atmosphere. I'm contributing to the spiritual atmosphere that my wife and my children are going to wake up to in that house. I'm 
I'm praying over the doors before uh, they're up. I'm laying hands on the doors this morning. I'm praying over my wife, over the bedroom door. The worship music's going. I'm praying over Faith. I'm praying over Lexi. I even pray over Copper every once in a while. I mean, come on. We just need to rise up in a place of expectation and absolute declaration uh, in this attitude. So, so wake up in the morning and just turn on your worship music and make time to press in and pray. And then get that daily prayer focus. We've got these handouts that we gave out last week. If you didn't get those, I don't have one here. Would you hand me that one, Haley? Uh, if you'll get these right out under the TV screen, they're pretty simple focus, and it just gives a daily layout of seven days that you want to focus in on, and Sunday today is the focus of, uh, of worship and gathering and expectation, but you'll see uh, Tuesday is what we're focusing on today. We talked about Monday last week, and today we're talking about Tuesday. Understand the origin of Tuesday is an important component of that, and I want us to get into that as we walk this out. We want your life to flourish. There are books out here that you can pick up. There's a book about how to have transformation in your life called 180 Degree Turnaround. How to deepen your life called Deeper, More Meaningful Life. How to navigate through the religious confusion of our day. The book's called Religious Confusion. Steve Uppel was with us recently and he ran out of his devotion guides, highly flammable, and so he's shipped some to us. And those are out there if you didn't get those and you want to. Start to fill your mind with more of what God wants you to feast on. Man does not live by bread alone. Man does not live by TV programs alone. Do you want to wake up your spirit? Feed your spirit, man. Let your spirit, man, be strong. I want us to step into a deeper place of this and understand the call of God on all of our lives. There's a battle going on. The disciples said this in Luke 11, 1. Uh, Jesus was praying in this certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. It's a really important request that true disciples make of Christ. Lord, teach us to pray. Praying is important. The disciples watched Jesus pray. They saw prayer was a connection to power. They didn't ask Jesus to teach them to raise the dead. They didn't ask Jesus to teach them to heal the blind. They asked him, teach us to pray, because they knew prayer was the key to the power. And I said last week, the prayerless church is the powerless church. We've had enough clever. It's time to have power. Let's become powerful. Therefore, we must become prayerful. That's what God's calling us to do as a church. Clap it in. Come on, help me today. We're just releasing some things to the atmosphere. We're contributing together in what God's asking us to do. So we want to step into that place, and I want to say to you, there is a price to pray. There is a price to pray for God's will to be done in your life. There is a price to pray. It's costly, but it's worth it. It's priceless, wonderful investment that returns and abounds in so many ways. And I want you to think of it in these terms. We've put together, we're always trying to communicate so that you can understand. You know, you, do, you, do you believe that there's something released when you begin to pray just personally? You believe that? Yeah, I believe that. So then there's the prayer of agreement. What do you think happens when we all start to begin to pray in agreement congregationally? What if we prayed the same thing every Monday together in corporate agreement, whether we're all together or not? What if we prayed the same thing every Tuesday and then every Wednesday? I want you to think of it in these terms. If you are sitting in a boat drifting through the currents of the ocean, you're simply being taken wherever the currents go, and that's not always a good thing. How many of you know 
love talking about the world we live in. But, but prayer is like a paddle. Prayer is when you pick up the paddle and you say, I'm no longer just going to drift through the currents hoping for the best. I'm going to take control of my destiny, and I'm going to start taking some people with me, and I'm going to row, and I'm going to strain at these oars, and it produces strength in my life. I'm going to begin to go somewhere. And then when we all start working together, rowing together in sync to a cadence, it's amazing the momentum that begins to happen. So Jason Baffrey put this together to help illustrate this analogy more effectively. Think about this, and you'll see the progression of each day listed as you watch this clip. time in the morning, turn on the music, open up your little publication, pray through the verses with a declaration of what's going on that day. Let's get in agreement and really make some progress. It's important that we not just gather together to sing songs and be motivated by a motivational speaker. It's important that we do what God's called us to do on assignment together as a mission. Today is our uh, welcome to the family luncheon, and I want you to understand something. This happens one time a year. 
This is not something we do a lot. We do it one time a year to communicate the value of really what it is to walk through a process where we're having meetings, we're cultivating core values, and then we welcome to the family. Nobody's going to be in roles of mentoring leadership in our church family that hasn't been with us over the course of at least a year. It's an important value for us. And I want to just say, if you're ready to step into that place, we've got some space available today after the second service of that welcome to the family luncheon. If you want to step in and you're ready to join the church family and become a member, this is that process. So if you will uh, just stick around here after service, come up and see me or see the, in the community group, uh, Brian and Lori Hart, who I'll pick on a little bit today. Stand up, you two. Just want to say thank you to the Ken and Barbie, Brian and Lori Hart of Destiny right here. Come on. We love you guys. And they'll be out at the community group table as our featured community group leader today. So stop and see them and just let them know if you're going to join us uh, for that lunch meeting. It'll just be a lunch meeting for, uh, it'll be 90 minutes or less uh, for you today. But it is all about our really getting in sync together with the gifted lives that God has entrusted to our care. You were born for more than walking through this world and merely existing. You're never going to find fulfillment if your pursuit is only success. Success will never satisfy your life. You were born for more than success. You were born for significance. And until you know who you are and why God wired you and how to express that wiredness, then you will be constantly trying to figure out what life is really all about. And I believe God's given us keys to that as we, the church, are the work of Christ in the earth, and it's really important that we find our place in that. So the, the whole element of this understanding, there's a price to pray. Write it in, if you would, on your first blank. It's expensive to be effective. It's expensive to be effective. It will cost you something to do what God has called you to do, to go where God has called you to go. It's expensive to be effective. And again, I feel that there's just something so simple to be unlocked today. I just think the Lord is going to give us, He's going to download something for us that's so easy to apply. And uh, I, I just, I see it as, I'm, as I've been looking over this and I've been preparing this and praying through this. But I want to give you just some core phrases to the ideas I want us to talk about so that they start to get kind of downloaded in your heart, marinating in your cooker, whatever you want to say. Uh, but when you read your Bible, you go to war. You need to understand this is not a religious duty, a religious obligation, or a religious performance thing. There is an epic battle of eternal proportion that's raging around you, and you are mighty warriors in Christ. This last week, I have not felt well, and I've been in bed as much as I've been out of bed, actually. And, uh, and I mean, I work in bed and just do all kinds of stuff, and, and I was just exhausted. My brain was dead, and I just turned on the TV. You ever do that? You just start flipping like, oh, just, you know, Lord, do something to get rid of my, you know, just let me veg here. And, and I, it was the very beginning as the program started. Uh, and, and there he was. I was so, you know, I, I, I mean, it reminds me of myself in physique, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> there he was, and I looked up, and he's on the, on the screen, and, and, I, and I thought, oh, action. Huh? You know, I like action. And, uh, and it was Terminator. Anybody seen Terminator? Okay, you know who Sarah Connor is. Sarah Connor is the waitress, and she has the baby, 
she like becomes this major player in conquering these machines that are trying to take over the world. She has a baby who becomes a phenomenal son that would lead the charge to make the revolt and conquer these machines. And so she's nothing but a waitress when she first starts in this. Doesn't understand that she's got this, this huge assignment. And so, like, you know, Terminator is, is after her in the, in the first thing, and, and you got all this stuff going on, and she's, like, running for her life. And she asks the question, why? I am a waitress. Why are they trying to kill me? What is so special about my life that they're trying to take my life? And the key in the movie was they were not trying to kill her for who she was. They were trying to kill her because of who she was going to become. Do you understand? God is addressing who he's called you to become. No, come on. He's called you to become more than what you recognize in your own mind. So we call that in today in Jesus' name. There's this battle. I mean, you start to see movies like that, and you see bits and pieces that are actually expressions that I believe God has deposited in the heart of humanity, and they cultivate and direct and produce these movies, and, and little symptoms and signs show up of that which is really gnawing at our soul down deep inside. And I want to say to you, you're more than you thought you were. There's more to you than you believed there ever was. God wants to awaken something deeper in you than you ever thought could exist. When you read the Bible, you go to war. Yes. When you read the Bible, you're awakening something within you that you don't even know exists. Why all this spiritual warfare surrounding my life? What's the deal? I mean, I'm just this. It's because the enemy is not after you because of who you are. The enemy is after you because he does not want you to become who God has called you to become. But I'm saying rise up and become all God has called you to. When you read your Bible, you go to war. When you purpose time to pray, you're engaging in an epic battle of eternal proportion. You're not just adrift in a boat, but you grab a paddle and you start to go somewhere on purpose. There's this epic battle going on. You and I are part of this, and it's important that we understand how. Let me just break this down in a way that, that maybe it's just such a practical application. Let me just expose and be vulnerable to you in, in just, just for a few moments here as I explain this battle that goes on. When I neglect time in the Word and when I neglect time in prayer, when I find myself not really engaging consistently and deeply, meaningfully in my place of prayer, I'm going to just tell you a few things. I wrote them down, things that begin to happen. I start recognizing that I have slipped into a more conquerable state of mind. I don't even realize it, but pride starts to conquer me more readily as I start talking about myself more to the people around me, seeking affirmation and praise as if I'm needing my significance from humanity around me. But I've just not been spending time with God, so something in me isn't aligned correctly the way it needs to be. So I start kind of short-circuiting, and pride starts trying to conquer my life. There's a secret pursuit of praise that kind of gets awakened within me when I'm not spending time with God. Anybody experience that? 
There are things that I start to recognize how my love and my consideration for others grows weaker and I'm much more self-absorbed when I'm spending less time with God. I'm just not aware and compassionate about the people around me so much when I'm, when I'm not spending time with God. But when I'm spending time with God, I'm getting a hold of the heart of God. His heartbeat starts to become my heartbeat. His rhythm starts to become my rhythm. The rhythm of prayer begins to be established in my life as I'm connecting with the desires of God more readily in those places of prayer. Just reading Scripture, just spending time, just purposing to take some time just to sit there and say, God, speak to me, minister to me, help me to be who you've called me to be. I know the enemy's not chasing me because of who I am today. I know he doesn't want me in this place of prayer, in this place of study of Scripture because of who you've called me to be, but I'm going to rise up and see it through, plow through, break through, move on in. I find myself uh, having this general disruptive feeling within. You ever get that? If I'm not spending time with God, it's like I just have a complete absence of peace going on. I just don't have peace about the things I'm trying to accomplish. I'm full of fear. I'm not full of faith. There's this disruptive feeling going on. I want to say to you, peace doesn't come from the absence of problems. Peace comes from the presence of God. Let me say it again. Peace doesn't come from the absence of problems. Your peace comes from the presence of your God. I find it more difficult to concentrate on Scripture and and really have a mindset of conversational prayer with God when I'm not spending time with God. What does your devotion time look like? Maybe you've never really stepped into a consistent time of prayer and pursuing God, but I'm telling you God's taking us deeper. I believe this year is a year many people in our church family are actually going to figure out what it is to pray. I know it might sound daunting to some people, but I believe there are people in our church that are going to figure out what it is to pray an hour a day to seek God early in the morning. When I start reading about the dead guys that have written the books, the people that have really impacted the world, the revivalists of previous generations, they say things like spending two hours of prayer in the morning before starting my day is essential to understanding what God desires to accomplish in the day. You and I live in a society that is so given to self-absorbed entertainment perspectives that it has absolutely drained us from any healthy disposition that would say, prayer awakens something eternal and I'm hungry for that why don't you give 30 seconds a hand clap of praise so I can blow my nose hallelujah You might think it's just a tissue, but it's snot. (laughs) That was really bad, wasn't it? (laughs) Neglecting time in the Word of God and prayer, neglecting time in the Word of God and prayer positions you in a conquerable state of mind. You don't even know the battle's going on. You don't even know that you're losing the battle. You're just positioned in a conquerable state of mind. You find yourself giving up on things that you wouldn't normally give up on if you were spending time with this undefeated warrior who's never been defeated ever in all eternity, who's fighting on your behalf, by the way, trying to awaken that fight within you. Don't give up. It's always too soon to quit. 
God's purposes are greater than your problems that you may be facing right now in this moment. God's purposes are eternal, and the moment of your problems is very temporal. Don't give up. I love this. In Luke 18, 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable that they should always pray and not give up. It's the NIV. Always pray and not give up. The English Standard Version, which is an excellent version of Scripture, by the way, in a day where we have all these paraphrases, sometimes you need to know what true translations are. The ESV is a great translation of Scripture. It says that they would always pray and not lose heart. I like that. They would always pray and not lose heart. And the King James, this is great because it kind of ties in the point I want to make with this, that they would always pray and not faint. That they would always pray and not faint. Listen carefully. If you're praying, you're not fainting. If you're fainting, you're not praying. If you're praying, you're not fainting. And if you're fainting, you're not praying. Because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that you could ask or imagine. And if you're in a place of prayer and conversation with this eternal warrior who can defeat any enemy that's coming your way, then you are not fainting. You are believing and you are rising up in an attitude that says, it doesn't even matter if you take my life, I still win because I am living for purposes beyond the purposes of this world. Is that alive in you? Are you discovering places of prayer in the Word just where you're consistently allowing God to awaken this type of a battle going on within you? Next week, we're going to see so clearly how Scripture uh, reveals that, and it's your next blank, air is to the body what prayer is to the Spirit. It's a really important truth. This praying, fainting concept ties in really well with it all, but air is to the body what prayer is to the Spirit. And when you start to understand that and why I believe that and why that's revealed in Scripture, we'll look at it all very meticulously next week. But then you start to see verses like Job 19, 17. That's an interesting verse of Scripture. And it says, my breath is offensive to my wife. Just look at your neighbor and say, hi. You, you might notice uh, after I preach and I go down, I'll reach in my left pocket. You know why I reach in my left pocket? because I put in these Listerine mouth uh, breath strips. How I many you know it doesn't matter if you have the words of life if you have the breath of death? You might, you might want to take some time and give some consideration. See, but this, this verse of Scripture is not, not talking about that. This verse of Scripture is referencing His Spirit. And if you don't know that air is to the body what prayer is to the Spirit, then you don't understand what, what, what was about the problem with, with Job's breath. It wasn't about his physical breath. What was happening, all hell was breaking loose in Job's life, and his wife got angry because God wasn't causing everything to look like she thought it ought to be looking. So instead of him breathing in the circumstances and breathing out toxic attitudes against God, he was breathing in God's breath of inspiration, even in the midst of devastation, and he was breathing out something that was changing the situation and awakening the purposes of God. Let me just say to you, you better make sure you're breathing in the right stuff when the bad stuff starts trying to get in your life. Don't be surprised. I posted it this last week. Many of you were commenting on it. Don't be surprised when your faith and positivity is met with negativity and bad attitudes from the people around you. And this is why sleepers find it offensive when light hits their slumber. 
I was laying in bed this last week, and, and I, you know, not, again, not feeling well. Tracy got up a little early, and she went over, and it was a little stuffy in the room, and she went to turn on the ceiling fan. Well, she hit the wrong switch, and I was asleep, and she turned on the light, and I cussed her out. I didn't really. I know better than that. She's tougher than I am. But when she turned on the light, I was just like, ah! I mean, that's probably about what I said. <laughs> How many of you know that when you're asleep and someone turns on the light, it will create a sense of offense? Anyone ever had the lights turned on on you before when you were asleep? I want to say it again. Don't be surprised when your faith and positivity are met with a negative disposition because sleepers find it offensive when light hits their slumber. You keep breathing in what God wants you to take in. That way you're breathing out and expressing that which will transform the situations around you in your world. No situation has the power to conquer you. Don't get into a conquerable state of mind. Be in a conquering state of mind. Stay the course in these places of prayer and seeking God. Prayer and reading God's Word. Next blanks. Prayer and reading God's Word is like watering and providing light to a plant that is trying to grow within you. Prayer releases this light, and the Word releases water. It's the water of the Word the Bible speaks of. The revelation from God in a place of prayer. There's this plant trying to grow. You understand, you and I are the planting of the Lord. There are a lot of analogies we find in Scripture. And and there's this plant within you, and it's trying to grow. And as it grows, what's taking place is you spend time with God in a place of prayer and the Word, then you're providing light and water, and that thing just begins to grow in you, and you are far less conquerable when you allow His disposition to begin to shape your perspective. And so, this is the progression. I want you to understand Tuesday, we're going to have to couple some of these days together in weeks to come to get all seven days in, but, but every day is an important day, and when you look on this prayer guide, you'll see the, the focus, and I want you to understand why. Last week, we talked about Monday and how Monday is a new beginning. The origin of the word Monday comes from Moon's Day. Moon's Day is born from before there were calendars and so on. It was about new moons, and so Monday is born from new beginnings. Don't look at Monday the way the world looks at Monday. Look at Monday the way God sees Monday. It's a great opportunity for a brand new week for God to show up strong no matter what you may be facing. Not good Lord, it's Monday, but good Lord, it's Monday. Let's go for this thing. I hope that's been your attitude. Wake up on Monday morning, turn on the worship music, and get engaged in an attitude and disposition of seeking God. And then Tuesday is going to be a day of great battle. And I'm going to show you something today that I found very, very curious about Tuesday. The origin of the word Tuesday actually comes from the old English derivative, T-I-U, two. It is the God of war. Now, the God of war is pronounced as two, but the, uh, the English God of war, but the Roman God of war is Mars. And I think it's interesting that in Spanish, Tuesday is martes. And so this is, this is significant to Tuesday. It's a shaping and an expression when we're looking at the derivative and the origin of where the day, how we're defining the day and coming from. And, and, and I, how many of you know God's involved in things that are well beyond uh, what our framework of theology exists? How many of you know God set in motion that every Monday would be a day of new beginnings? God set in motion that every Tuesday, after you've kind of gotten past your weekend and now you've got your bearings, now it's time to gain tractions and battle on through into your week. 
Tuesday is a day of great warfare where we're going to begin to focus on other people's lives in the way we pray. And I want to talk to you how to do that, but let's understand, Tuesday is a very turbulent time of the week. It's a time of great warfare. It's a time for you to get your bearings and fight well, fight strong, fight with momentum, fight with anticipation, fight with faith. Our sons and our daughters are not going to be given to the plans of the enemy, but their bondages and addictions will be broken in Jesus' mighty name. Turbulent times, Warfare Tuesday. It's interesting, the great crash of the stock market, October the 29th, 1929, Black Tuesday. When I started looking at this, I was kind of blown away by the turbulence that has taken place on Tuesday and the warfare that seems to take place on Tuesday. 9-1-1, the horrible attack on our, uh, in our nation in 2001 took place on a Tuesday. Politicians go to war for their political positions on Super Tuesday. I thought it was interesting that business people go to war whenever they're setting out press releases, the most common day for press releases to go out Tuesday. Why? Because you've recovered from your weekend Monday of the beginning of the week, and now it's time to go to war into the week. People are, are more receptive. Tuesday represents and reflects and expresses a very turbulent expression in your life that you were born for. You were born for this. You were created by God with the ability to more than conquer. You're not just a conqueror. You are more than conquer. You will more than conquer in your life. And Tuesday's this day of great warfare and battle. I, 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 I was got intrigued by this and I started thinking, hmm, some of you are going to do exactly what I'm about to say. I said, I wonder what day of the week I was born on Tuesday. I was born on a turbulent day. How I many you know I'm turbulent? I'm a, I'm a bit. Tracy, this last week, was laughing because somebody said something about, you know, that I'm good at avoiding conflict. And I'm actually not. <laughs> When there are issues to be dealt with, I just want to deal with them. I don't want to avoid them. I don't want to delay them. I want to deal with them. I want to aggressively address. I, I think there's something significant. I, I was telling Tracy about it, and she, she thought, I wonder what day I was born on. So she looked up her birthday, Tuesday. Will you just pray for our children? <laughs> you and I are wired for challenge. Great movies have this incredible ability to create the story that clearly communicates an adversary or an adversarial circumstance or situation that comes into the situation and all of a sudden the lights go dim and it appears like there's no hope and then Sarah Connor figures out more who she was actually born to be and she starts to step into the light of her purpose and her calling. I want you to think about this because God is the master writer of the universe. He knows how to take your situation into a place where the lights go down, the curtains seem like they're about to close, everybody in the crowd is just kind of at a hush because they're so sad to see the difficulty that you've gone through, but suddenly the lights burst into uh, an expression of awakening the the, the 
the, the curtains fly back open and that which was unexpected suddenly shows up and the whole crowd stands to their feet cheering because they can't believe you made it through. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. So on Tuesday, you and I join together in an adversarial mindset that says we were born for warfare by the hand of God and we're a part of this epic battle of eternal proportion and we begin to pray, stepping into this place of prayer. Make the time to pray. Don't just have a little, you know, brief devotional time. We're coming into a season God's going to awaken far more. And so this is what I want you to do. You'll see on your, on your flourish card, others. You're focusing on others. You're focusing on people that you work with, people that you know, other people. Monday, you prayed for family members. You remember last week I told you how to do that. I want to do it again. This is the way you do it. You go through and you look at Tuesday, and you understand that when we look to the suffering of Jesus, we're delivered from our sins. But when we look to the suffering of others, we're delivered from ourselves. You'll read that on there. In other words, Jesus came to deliver us from our sins, yes. But then he came to draw us into a compassionate consideration for the lives of others. And when we get our focus off of ourselves and put our focus on the needs of other people, we get mightily delivered from our own disposition. It's powerful the way it works. One, one, one person said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We, we read that in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4. Praise be to the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort. Wait, 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 let's just stand. This is, this is you, Tuesday morning. The worship music's on. You're now praying your Tuesday morning prayer agenda. We're all rowing together. We're in the boat, we're rowing together. We're not just letting the ocean currents take us where the ocean currents wanna go. We're rowing, we're rowing on purpose. We're going somewhere on purpose. We're fulfilling our destiny. We're not an accident. We're not an experiment. We're, we're a purposed assignment from God to the earth. And then you just take these verses, you begin to pray. Praise be to the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. That's where you stop and you do exactly that. Come on. Praise be to you, God. You are an amazing God. We just worship you in this moment of time as a congregational family. Praise be to the God of all comfort that comforts us in all our troubles. Has he comforted you in any time of trouble? Why don't you give him thanks? Has he been there for you when you were walking through difficulty? Why don't you give him thanks? So you'll start thinking about specific moments in time when God was there for you, right there in your house. It'll be quiet in the morning, and you'll want to start doing that. And you'll have to be careful because you might wake up the rest of the house if you live you know, in a family dynamic and people are there. Be careful. You might wake up the house, or maybe you just wake up the house anyway because it's good for the house to hear that you're up praying in the morning. You just begin to thank God because He's there. And I love this because, listen, Praise be to the God of compassion and the God of comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Take that which God put in you and give it to other people. There are other verses and focal points to pray, but that's the idea. And as you begin to pray for those people that you're connected with, associated with, work with, this is how you do it. 
Brian and Lori Hart sitting down here on the front row, featured community group leaders this week. So this is part of my routine every week. I pray for every one of our community group leaders. This is the way you do it. So you can only, you can only catch so much in teaching by prayer. Sometimes you just need to listen to it. So this is how I do it. I just begin to pray through. I pray for individuals. I'll start, I'll be praying for Haley. And then the next person on my list, I say, Lord, I just bless Brian and Lori Hart. I bless their family. I just pronounce a blessing as I call their name. And then I listen. Prayer is not a bunch of rhetoric. Prayer is a conversation God is having. And God is speaking to Brian and Lori Hart. And I want to participate in what he has to say. So I just speak a blessing over Brian and Lori today. Lord, I thank you that you're establishing their legacy. I hear the Holy Spirit right now speaking about their legacy. Do you believe that? Do you believe God's having a conversation? He wants a word with you. So much so he sent his son a word. That's how you pray. When you get in this mode, your world will begin to change. So I just bless their legacy. I thank you, Father, that you you have placed your hand on Brian and on Lori, and you're establishing in them not only a natural legacy in the natural realm, but a spiritual legacy of sons and daughters. Not only of adoption and and foster and, and connection in those elements in the natural, but in the supernatural. There are spiritual sons and daughters will be raised up. And Brian and Lori, I hear the Holy Spirit saying that in your latter years, there are going to be deeply fulfilling moments that you are going to celebrate the goodness and the faithfulness of God as you look at more than what you could have ever thought or imagined God has done in these years of your laboring. So keep running the race. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Keep walking forward in everything God has in store. Lives are being changed. The world is being transformed. That's how you do it. You pray for your neighbors. You just pray for them like they're right there in front of you. You pray for them like you're just laying hands on them. Just release something. Do you get this today? Church shouldn't be like going to the movies. Church should be like going to the gym. Hope you didn't show up to be entertained today because I have an assignment for you. I want you to get to work. I want you to keep struggling at the oars because the struggle at the oars produces strength in your life that somebody on the other side of your struggle needs the strength that God is giving you through the place of your struggle in this moment in time. Lord, I thank you that you are mightily at work in our midst, in our lives, in our home, in our church, in our family, in our world, in our community, in our society, and we are a vital component to what you're wanting to unlock of the kingdom of God in our world. We mean business. We are serious about the commission from God to discover who we are and to refuse to be confined to who we have been as we begin to be more awakened to who you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus.